welcome to the study of purpose. I'm your host, Aaron Feiglin, here with my co-host, Riley Kuffner. Riley, how you doing? Doing pretty well, Aaron. Thank you. Really excited for today. Are you down in Santa Monica? Indeed. Calling in from Santa Monica, California today. And uh, yeah, looking forward to having our first guest on the show. Yeah, absolutely. So our first guest is a very special one, a dear friend of mine, uh, Gustavo Fuga, CEO of 4U2. Uh, Gustavo, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I'm super glad. Yes, yes. So um, let's get this, you know, go straight to the point here. So Gustavo, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what, what you're doing, what 4U2 is? Great, definitely. So um, yeah, we, we are a, a company based here in Sao Paulo in Brazil, where I'm speaking right now. Um, and um, Basically, what we do is uh, we, we saw that in Brazil, there's there's less than 3% of our population actually speak English. And this is a huge challenge in terms of, you know, employability and in terms of the self-development itself. And um, and this number is super low because, you know, the English courses here are super expensive. So if you really want to learn the language, you need to or pay a lot or to do an exchange or to go to other countries, which is super expensive for us. So usually like if you are from a low income family, like I am, uh, you never had the opportunity to learn English. And you know that not knowing the language in Brazil will, will make you lose a lot of opportunities, not only in terms of work, but you know, for life. And uh, so what we do is uh, our challenge was how can we make that affordable? How can we make like this, much cheaper, but also much better. And uh, and we started this road almost 80 years actually now. And uh, and it's been a hell of a ride since then. And um, pretty uh, exciting one, like starting a company with 18 years old and with no money uh, <laughs> and trying to, you know, I was, I was not even myself, I was not speaking English at that time. So, you know, who is the crazy person that decided to start a company at language school and they don't actually speak the language. Uh, but, but it was pretty fun, you know, learning while we were <laughs> doing. And uh, and I think that worked. So uh, here we are. That's super cool. I mean, that's kind of a, that's an impressive journey to start the company with some sort of goal and objective of helping people learn English when you don't even yourself um, <laughs> know the language. But I mean, I guess it makes sense in that, uh, you know, it enabled you to, to learn it pretty well because, you know, your, your English is very good, Gustavo. Um, so yeah, kudos to you for that. I, so I, like, I, just, I like, I like to say that I am, I was the first student. So if it worked with me, <laughs> we work with everybody. So. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Case study of, of one. Um, and so, you know, why don't we start, you know, back at the beginning? And that's like what we like to do on this show, because, you know, after all, it, it is the study of purpose. And, you know, it's, it's about personal about our journeys and, you know, how we kind of find our, our way to where we are. Um, and so, you know, were, were you born in Sao Paulo? No, I was born in Rio, in Rio de Janeiro, in, okay. uh, in a really loving club low-income place there so not close to the you know to the to the main spots not close to Copacabana but really far so uh my dad actually had nine brothers and he was the the youngest one and um and I, and I really like to talk that story because you know that that shows a little where I come from you know like this mm-hmm. 
place where the majority of the Brazilians actually live, you know, with uh, not that good conditions, not that good education, not that good health care system, you know, pretty much nothing is that good in terms of services. And, um, but I, I always say that even though I did, you know, master and that stuff and studied a lot about entrepreneurship, my main school of entrepreneurship was, you know, the, the low income place where I was born, you know, my main references of entrepreneurship, they don't even have a company themselves, but they have this mentality, the mindset of being an entrepreneur, uh, you know, because they were doing a lot of things with basically no resources. And I think this mm-hmm. is the, the main definition of entrepreneurship for me. And uh, and think uh, to start a company was just a reflex of, you know, what I learned and what every kid learned when they are born in that environment. You know, they need to survive and they need to make things happen with nothing. And, uh, and I think this is a good definition of entrepreneurship for me. Totally. Like find, finding the opportunities, whoever they might be. And yeah. so, you know, that's, that sounds like a really big family. Your dad was one of nine brothers. So <laughs> yeah. were you, yeah. Were you living together with, you know, kind of your extended family? And I'm not sure what, you know, it was really customary in Brazil and, you know, in America, we you know mostly just live with our immediate family, but were you you know living with uh, you know some of your dad's brothers and whatnot? Not really, uh, but we okay. were living kind of close. But but the point there is that you know uh, although they were a huge family and they still are, uh, the fact that he was the youngest, uh, basically the other their brothers they 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 uh, they saved money to invest in his education. So he was actually oh. the only one to to go to college, right? And uh, and that changed everything. So I think. This is actually the crucial moment where education touched me because uh, he had a, that opportunity. was super hard for them, definitely. But, you know, uh, he he knew what education could actually do for people, right? Uh, and he taught us that through the example. And I think I always like to say that, you know, unfortunately, he was lucky to be the youngest one. Uh, he was lucky. Because all the others and, you know, most of people, they don't have, they didn't have that opportunity back then. And that changed the whole thing. You know, if you don't have access to good education, we know what happened. And um, so it's, it's really hard to talk about meritocracy when we don't have the same opportunities. Right. And um, so I, I always like to mention that story because, because of that, I was able to have, you know, uh, the education, uh, the learn since really young, the importance of of education and uh mm-hmm. and i think this is was really the key for me to actually thinking starting something and you know doing the things that i'm doing right now do you remember at what sort of like at what age you realized that like man like i because i have this education like i am i have so much more opportunity like was there sort of a self-realization you had i i saw that with my dad i think because i Eventually, when I was 10, we kind of moved to other state here and uh, he got promoted and he got a like, much better uh, life and we were living in a nice place. And, and at that moment, I think I, I realized, you know, the difference, you know, of course, I didn't make all the connections and I didn't knew the details that I was actually later on, he told me. But, you know, I, I could feel it. You know, why my other the part of my family, they are living that condition and we are living that one. And, you know, I could see that my dad was basically one of the only one that were actually, he always liked to study, you know? And uh, so I really, 
I made that connection really young, I think. So uh, in my life, I could see that since, you know, since 10, maybe 12 years old, I already realized that, you know, education is it's pretty much the key to, to, to kind of change the inequality, not only in a personal level, but also in a social level, right? So uh, this kind of discussion was, they were always part of our talks in, you know, in the dinners, we were kind of a nerd family. We were discussing a lot of sociology and philosophy since young. And that really helped to shape my, you know, my vision of the world, I think. Yeah, that's, that's cool. You know, I think that's really important that education isn't only, um, you know, in school, but also your, you know, whole family in general. And um, you have support in doing that stuff. But I'm curious what your, you know, kind of educational experience in school was like growing up. Um, because now you're, you're creating these schools for teaching English. And, um, you know, how did your you know, experiences when you were young kind of uh, shape the you know project that you're now working on Mm -hmm. yeah totally it's super connected because um living with that in super unequal society and in cities like rio like the place where you maybe you you see a movie and there's like this amazing so beautiful place one of the most beautiful cities in the world and super expensive places and at the same time huge favelas that the topic the the inequality always touched me in a like in a deeper level maybe an emotional level i was always really touched when i saw something you know this kind of uh sao paulo being the city with the largest number of helicopters and at the same time the one of the largest traffic jams so you know th- those kind of things never really i never really understood that so i decided to study economics uh in college b- because of that because i thought that you know i I need to understand why that happened, what what is the roots of it, and how can we change it, right? And um, so that defined the, the thing that I studied. And because of that, I moved to Sao Paulo to study in, in the University of Sao Paulo to study economics. And, and that changed my life. That was a huge tipping point because, um, you know, I was in an environment where I was definitely the minority. Like, all of my colleagues, they were from... Uh, more wealthy backgrounds they were they already travel all the world they spoke a lot of languages and i was a guy 18 years old like didn't knew nobody in the city didn't came from a f- famous family or wealthy one and didn't speak english and that become like uh i, th- I feel that i was not part of it right mm-hmm. and in a way like to to start for you too the, the company was a way to express myself and to say look uh I need to learn the language, but also I need to, to help other people that don't didn't have the same opportunity that I had. So that's why I didn't wait that much. You know, I was a little, I didn't, I was not thinking well when I started because I had no idea what I was doing actually. And uh, a lot of people say that they study a lot and they thought a lot before becoming entrepreneur and starting their own company. But with me being totally honest, the, I think that that thing came to me and one day I had the idea and I didn't knew where I was, you know, where I was, um, I was going to. I didn't knew nothing about entrepreneurship or, you know, formally build a company and that stuff. Uh, I just want to do something nice and, you know, help people. And eventually that became a company. And then, you know, I was learning things while I was doing And then when I realized eventually like that 
Jesus, I am entrepreneur and uh, and there's a lot of responsibility with that. There's a lot of employees and there's people that depends on me. And uh, and then I, you know, was was kind of not in the normal order, you know, but I think was good because I didn't knew the risks. I didn't knew, you know, the, the, the bad side. And that made me made of faster decisions and, you know, not to overthink the decision of starting or not a company, which is something really common in our generation now, as I see, like, and, and I have a lot of friends and a lot of them come to me. And when they are in that exactly moment where, you know, they're in a, they could be with nice jobs and, and stabilize and starting their family, or maybe they could, you know, just giving up everything and starting something new, learning something totally different. And uh, a lot of them come to me to ask, but in a way, my scenario was different because I didn't have knowledge of where I was getting to. So I think that helped. So uh, I stimulate a lot of people to actually have their first experience, professional experience as an entrepreneur. I don't think that necessarily you need to have other previous experiences. Of course, we make things easier, but in a way you become more scared, I think. So um, when... um, there's no rule, right? Any every person has their own timing, but uh, I think like to overthink when you are deciding to be entrepreneur or not, it's not that good because if you are rational, you would not start a company because <laughs> you will fail. <laughs> that that's almost sure. You will probably fail, and I think this is the funny thing, the beauty of it. Right. Don't think about it too much. Just go for it. I'm, I'm curious, yeah. like. I'm trying to get into your head, like so. You're you're 17 or eight. You said you're 17 or 18 years old when you when you started, yeah. and like you you were like in college or beginning college, and you just said, okay, like I want to start this. Like, how, like what were your like what were your first steps? Like, how did you even? I'm sure you said you had no idea what you're doing. So, like, what did you do? I'm curious. <laughs> nice. I think I I actually spent four months, and I and I like to talk about that because you know. Uh, people are super curious about that specific period, you know, from, from an idea to start. I think this is not covered that much because usually when people are talking with entrepreneurs and succeeded one, they're just talking about growth, you know, how they are succeed, but they're not talking about, you know, the day one, actually how that happened. And I really like that start because uh, from what I learned uh, in school and, you know, with seeing, you know, reading books, uh, we are taught in, in, in business schools and, you know, business, typical business books, especially at that time, 2011, 2012, uh, about, you know, managing a big corporation. That's what we basically learn. Of course, now we have, you know, Stanford and also a lot of other great universities trying to teach entrepreneurship. But, you know, 10 years ago, like people were just talking about how to manage a, a big company. So, uh, when I had the idea, the first thing that I started to do was like actually a huge business plan. And we talk about that uh, later. Um, and, um, and, and I think that was the main mistake because I was trying to think in all the details, in organograms, in, you know, policy, in governance, things that are just for big companies. And I was... You know, there was not many contents on entrepreneurship and on starting from scratch. So I was using uh, models and, and uh, you know, structures of companies that are huge. 
And, uh, and I think that was the main mistake. And, and I was on that four months. And when I realized that I actually was doing nothing, I was just doing like a, a huge amount of pages on a word and, uh, and printing them. And that was it. I, I, I suddenly decided to, to do differently. I decided to open the inscriptions of the school. We didn't have a methodology. We didn't have teachers. We didn't have the formal company itself. But I decided to go to this uh, event that was having in this uh, this huge favela that we have here in Sao Paulo. They were having like a free event where, you know, the government and some NGOs were helping people to, you know, to do documents, to cut their hairs and, you know, helping with the basics. And I just met the guy who was organizing it. And uh, I decided to do like a nation's event. The, the idea was we would bring a lot of friends that are, are from other company, countries that were studying in university. So guys from the U.S., from Germany, France, they were all here in Sao Paulo. And I put them together. We kind of had put them in a small van that someone find to us with no money at all. And then the idea was... There will be people there. We will bring the foreigners. They will bring, you know, some food, their flags and, you know, those things. Talk about their culture. And um, once the, that, you know, that person goes there to talk with that, de- that foreigner, we will uh, talk to them to talk about language schools, to learn English. And we were actually doing the inscriptions there. The first, ins- the first 30 inscriptions that we did was in that in- event, but we didn't have a place for the school. We didn't have a physical place. We didn't have the methodology. We didn't have teachers. We didn't have the company. We didn't have money. We just had the name, actually, and the value proposition. So uh, we were doing something that later on I was studying, and I realized that, you know, the Lean Startup is basically that, how, how you start an MVP, how you uh, sell it first, and then you develop the product. Right, because it's a good way for you to pivot and iterations. But I didn't knew nothing about that at that time. I was just following my intuition, and uh, and kind of worked. Of course, was super basic because in the end we didn't have anything else. Instead mm-hmm. of the name, we we told people how much will cost, and that classes will start in thirty days. So in thirty days, we had to create a language school. And then we did everything that we could, spending zero uh, reais to to start. And it was pretty fun, you know, because you develop different skills. You need to become a networker. You need to know how to uh, ask for people doing things for free for you because you want to test things and you don't have money. And uh, And I think that kind of shaped our culture right now. Like the culture of frugality of, you know, we don't need huge resources to do a lot of things. We, I always like to talk about that story because we started with nothing and uh, we know that we don't need all the resources in the world to do great things. If there's a problem, and there was, people already knew that English is important. They just need like a cheaper solution and, uh, and uh, a closer approach. You know, and we were there with the approach and with the solution. Uh, and in the end, we were learning how to teach while we were teaching. In the end, the methodology was developed after two years. So uh, 
was a different approach, you know, was not like developing the product, launching. No, it was like launching, developing the product, iterations, and then like fixing things while we were doing, right? So I think this mentality is really important for the startup. I wish I had studied uh, the, the Lean Startup book earlier, but I, I think the book was later that, so we were just following intuition in the end. Yeah, no, that's that's super cool that um, you kind of stumbled upon it, you know, just because of your own experiences. Kind of like what you said. I mean, growing up where you did, that was your best entrepreneurship education because you had to make do with not very many resources. And so it seems like you took that same kind of methodology to getting this project going. Um, but I'm curious about the real like core, you know, motivation the aha moment about when you decided that this was the idea, this is what you wanted to dedicate your time to now for eight years. Mm -hmm. And so can you think back to a point uh, where you identified why this is such an important issue to you? I think that there's like some mysticism over this aha moment when people think that this is happens just once. In my case, specifically happened, I don't know, maybe three times, maybe four times in this 80 years. Of course, the first time when you actually had the idea, and in my case was I was in um, I was at school during a calculus uh, classes, and I just realized that there was a lot of foreigners in Sao Paulo, and all of them, when they were talking with me, and I had a lot of friends from other countries, and they were talking how hard it was to come to live in Brazil. It's hard because you, you need to learn Portuguese. You need to, it's super bureaucratic to have a visa and, you know, all of that. You cannot find a job because if you don't know Portuguese, nobody speaks English, so you don't get a job. So, But at the same time, people really want to discover the country, you know. So there was a demand. So when I kind of realized that, you know, those dudes they could teach English. They don't need to know Portuguese if they are teaching English. So if we create a school that only work with foreigners, we can have solution for those two problems. And at the same time, those folks, they're they are not coming here for making money. You know, if you're from Europe, from the US, you're not coming to Brazil to make tons of money teaching, right? You just want to live the experience. Of course, you need make some living. So when, when I had the idea was that aha moment when I said, look, we can charge five times cheaper than a normal school if we have that teachers because they will be paid more with the experience itself than with money, with salary. And uh, it was a crazy idea. But in the end, like right now, we had more than 500 foreigners, teachers that came to Brazil. They were in their countries like you guys and applied and then... They came to work with us. So it kind of proved that, you know, there, there was a, a, a supply of people that want to come here. And um, so that was the first aha moment. Uh, but to in an eight years story, like, of course, you got demotivated eventually. Or some in my case, when we were not growing that fast, I was feeling not that motivated. You know, the business was actually working. But, you know, for some reasons that now I understand we are not growing that fast. And I was demotivated because, you know, as a young people full of energy, you want to, you know, be all over the country. You want to internalization. You want to have 100 people in your team. And uh, so I had another aha moment 
when I was feeling that demotivated, that was that happened, I think, in the second year, third year. And uh, but eventually I had other moments where you you need to make like a new statement in your in your in your head to, you know, look, I am it might continue doing that again. And I am I am doubling the bats here. And uh, and then you find maybe a new motivation. I don't really think that, you know, of course, there's a huge purpose and the main one and that one doesn't change but there's a small motivation spills that you need to take to continue the journey you know just the main purpose uh even if it's super strong it's not enough for this really hard journey which is starting a company it's a lot of up and downs and and uh you need extra motivation and just to come back and learn remembering the purpose sometimes is not enough I saw a lot of entrepreneurs, friends that start a company, huge purpose, but eventually, you know, they, they, the purpose is still there, but they decided to quit because, you know, it's hard. So you need to find different ways. So these aha moments should be something that is almost every year. I don't know, maybe it's two years you need reboost of energy, I think. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I think you, you've been at this for, you know, eight years. That's, that's longer than an, the average person has spent on anything, especially yeah. a project. Basically, it's basically your baby. I'm really, it's like an eight year old baby. That's like pretty Definitely. old baby. <laughs> and yeah. like serious commitment. And you talked about how you have, you know, friends, other entrepreneurs who have given up because they've hit, you know, twists and turns where they couldn't really adapt. And you have, and I'm curious, like if you're, if you, if you were, you know, feel open and able to like talk about some of those in a little more detail, cause I'm sure these twists and turns you faced are, other ones that other entrepreneurs out there have, you know, been, uh, faced or are facing right now and struggling with a lot. So if you could maybe talk a little bit about those, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. I think the main point, and I was discussing that with a friend yesterday, is that uh, even if people find their purpose and you know, or they 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 their work is related with their purpose, uh, there's some motivations. And uh, some hidden ones, and then it's it's a it's uh, sometimes at least in my case was in this my subconscious things like you know yes I want to change uh, reduce inequality through education and giving access to good education affordable one for low income people will help that so that's my purpose this is super clear but this is not enough uh, in the end I realized later doing therapy <laughs> that uh you know the, my start was because i want to prove to my parents that i was able to do something great on my own i had no idea of that of that in the first two years but when i looked back and doing like some pro- process therapist and you know trying to uh, increasing my self uh, awareness uh, i kind of realize that so i think there's always hidden motivations sometimes like i know some of those friends they were you know motivated by the purpose but in the end they also want to do they want to became famous and it's fine the point is the sooner you know your real motivation not the one that you speak in in podcasts or in videos or in workshops but the real one the deep one the bad one sometimes the one that you want to hide, but is there. 
Uh, that one, is, I think it's the deepest one. In my case, was that, you know, in the end, I realized that I want to prove my parents that I was able to do something great. Uh, although they never, you know, they never put that pressure on me. I put that pressure on myself. You know, those kind of things that, you know, you don't actually explain or understand, but in the end, they are there. And, uh, and I think when the motivation is not that strong or when you don't realize your intimacy, uh, you, you kind of, you are not able to, to replace that. And then you, you, you don't understand why you are not that motivated because the purpose is still there. Uh, but you're not feeling that energetic anymore. Uh, and I saw that happening with friends that, you know, with one specifically, I could see that, you know, their intimate motivation was he want to be famous, you know? And, uh, and eventually he become, he become like famous. There was like some magazines, some interviews and, and that satisfied him, you know? And once you were famous, you, you know, that's it. And then he got demotivated, you know? And he thought that maybe the purpose changed, but in the end, the purpose was the same. The business was the same, but you know, he accomplished, um, uh, So I think like it's really good when you kind of know why you are doing that. But it's super hard to know that until you start it. So that's the tricky thing. Like at least in my my in my case, I, I, I just realized that later. Uh, but that was good because I was able to, you know, to, to kind of be in control of that. You know, and sometimes you want you are motivated because of one thing, but the There's easier ways to achieve that thing. Like there, there's easier ways to prove my parents that I could do things than starting a company, uh, doing everything that I did. And in, that, in the case of my friends, that there's easier ways to become famous than actually starting a company, working that for four years. You know, you can just blog or I don't know, produce content. That's easier. So sometimes people put the pressure on entrepreneurship uh, for their, you know, that in the way that that starting a company will solve you know your existential problems and questions and i think this is a huge pressure for a business it's also not good for business and for the team later on so i think those companies they will not go on if the the founder don't replace that motivation for a new one i think yeah i think a lot of people can relate to what you're saying and i think what you said about therapy was especially interesting because There's definitely this stigma against therapy in the States. Yeah. Um, and it, I think that I mean, my parents are both therapists. So <laughs> it's, it's, I have a very close relationship to therapists. And uh, it's interesting because people don't really talk about therapy very much, especially men here in America. Yeah. Um, it's becoming more normal. But like I want you to kind of, you know, I think it's interesting to hear. Like, Do you, like, do you think therapy and entrepreneurship – Or I guess I should say, do you think that entrepreneurs would you know highly benefit from therapy? It sounds like you did. Definitely. And any Definitely. recommendations for entrepreneurs out there, kind of like thinking about therapy? Like, you know, what do you have to say? Sure. I think the point that you mentioned it, it also happens in, in Brazil. Like you know, people don't actually understand what it is and think that you know we're crazy people and you know you just go to therapy if you are burning out or if you are crazy. And the typical approach is that people are actually taking pills and medicines, and which is fine. I mean, like, you do whatever you want, but there's other ways to actually solve the root of the problem. And I think therapy is good. The best metaphor that I can find is that, um, you know, if you are an athlete and if you want to play in the A-League or in the NBA, whatever, you 
you have a team helping with you, working with you. Uh, you have a nutritionist, you have a physiotherapist, you have a coach, you, you have like a bunch of people that, you know, helping you. As an entrepreneur, it's the same. If you want to play in the best league, you need people helping you to, you know, you need to be in your best shape. Uh, of course, you're not being in your best shape every time, every day. But uh, for me, it's the same thing. It's an investment. And it's one of the best investments that I, that I see because it helps you to, get, to have clearance, you know? You, you become more aware of what is important, what is not important. Uh, could be a therapist, could be a coach, could be, you know, different kind of professionals. But in the end, I think this is crucial. And uh, it's actually a way to think in your, you know, development. And if you are a CEO, entrepreneur, you need to learn things super fast. And especially you need to learn about yourself super fast because most of the company, they fail, not because of the market, not because of the, you know, they fail because of the entrepreneur motivation, uh, founders fight or, you know, the, the you know, the, 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 the entrepreneur was not ready to change that fast. Usually those are things that you can, you know, if you're feeling good with yourself and if you're learning about yourself fast, you will kind of solve that. So I think this is a really good investment and I think it's basic for, for a good entrepreneur. Yeah, I think that's a really cool analogy comparing entrepreneurship to just any kind of other performance, you know, whether it be a sport or, um, you know, some sort of, you know, art, but people build teams, you know, around right. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't quite thought of it that way. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's, you know, really interesting. And so I'm curious, you know, in addition to, you know, you're saying that, um, this therapy is, you know, one component, you know, one team member mm -hmm. um, who is supporting you. What are some of the other really important team members um, that you found, you know, have helped guide you through, you know, operating the business? I think mentors. Mentors are number one because, you know, it's really hard when, you're, when you have a business and I face that challenge a lot, even now, because people are biased and uh, your investors, they have a bias. Your team members, they have bias. Your co-founders, they have their own bias. And uh, in your parents or your family or maybe your friends, they probably don't know anything about entrepreneurship. So, you know, you can talk to them. Definitely, you can have emotional support with them. But they will not actually understand what you're going through normally, right? Uh, so you need someone that had lived that things before or is living that. Uh, and, uh, and there's no bias. So that person should not be an investor. And this is hard because usually people that are mentors and really believe in you, they will, if they have money, they will kind of invest in you. So I think the tricky thing for me was that, you know, I had investors and they were my mentors. They are still my mentors, but eventually there's topics that you need someone that has nothing to do with your business and can actually tell you the, the truth, uh, the hard ones. And uh, so that's my main recommendation. Your team, you should have a mentor or more than one if you can. Um, and um, the therapist, definitely. It's, uh, it's something really useful. Um, 
And I think like the rest depends on, you know, specifically with what are your flaws or things that you need to develop. But uh, I think with those, with good mentors, you can, you know, prevent. Ah, I remember. I think the third one is to participate in groups of entrepreneurs. They don't need to be more experienced like a mentor usually is. But people that maybe are younger or, you know, the same age or the same level of business, uh, there's some movements of, you know, entrepreneurs like a um, group of people that have their own companies, different markets, and they go there to talk about, you know, the, you know, the hard things. Uh, and uh, I think this is really helpful and helped me. Uh, I used to be part of this kind of group. And um, so if you can join one of those, definitely super useful because you can feel that you're not alone. And there's people with, you know, kind of the same problems and the same uh, questions and the same pressure. And uh, that helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Building, you know, those kinds of relationships in general. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons, too, that Aaron and I wanted to set out and start this podcast mm -hmm. was to build another kind of community like that. So you can count us on the team. You right. know, we, uh, yeah, we all want to work together to help each other because, you know, I think what you're doing is you know, fantastic Gustavo. And, uh, you know, it's not an easy thing to do to go out and start a company. And so I think that it's important to build those kind of support networks. And I also really thought that was interesting about having an objective mentor, one that's not really involved in the company, because, you know, I've certainly, uh, you know, had these kind of figures in my life that had supported me on past projects. And when I was starting my company, which is a lot newer than yours, I've been working on it for about two years now. Mm -hmm. But when I was starting it off, some of these folks were you know, the earliest people who wanted to come and help. And they became my you know, first investors a lot of times. But I think that it is important to have somebody who's outside of that as well, who can really just look at it objectively. And so you know, I'm going to have to go and, and see if I can find someone else who can who can fill that role um, but it's you know it's important to be thinking about it and so one of the other things that you mentioned that I thought was pretty interesting was just how you know this team that you put around yourself is really helping you as the entrepreneur leading the way evolve throughout the process and it sounds like you think that without that evolution, the you know entrepreneur or the, or the company will never survive and so you know i'm curious about in addition to learning english um the other ways that you see yourself uh, having evolved over the last eight years working on the business damn it i am like i think almost completely different person i think that the, the values they are still the same you know the idealism the you know the the, this maybe childish uh, rebel, you know, way of seeing the world that we can actually challenge in the status quo and, you know, those things that might sound cliche, but, you know, it's part of myself and I still believe in that. Uh, even though I faced a lot of things and a lot of challenges, you know, the, the value is still there, definitely. But um, I learned a lot about myself and I think that this is usually the, and I like to talk a lot about that because usually this is the, um, the main gap, I think, from the entrepreneurs. They are their, the limits of the company. Their self-knowledge. So if you're not 
trying to learn different things and learning more about yourself, you will become the, 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 the limit of your own growth. It's not about the market. It's not usually, it's not about the, you know, the team or, you know, the sales. It's about you and how fast you learn. So I think one thing that I learned a lot was, you know, to learn fast and to be able to make quick decisions. But if I can choose, I could list like a lot of things that I learned, but I think the main one was to be self-confident without being arrogant. I think this is the most thing that entrepreneur needs to 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 develop, uh, and it's really hard because it's a super thin line. And you know, between those two things, uh, I, of course, it's it's might sound arrogant for me to say that I already achieved that thin line, but uh, but <laughs> but I think that you're, you're still self aware of it. You know, you're you're self aware that that might sound arrogant, and so you know, that's <laughs> right. Kind of help, <laughs> but I mean to to be self confident. It's it's really important because you are going in a path that you have no things to to. There's nothing structured. You are going to to uh, to face a challenge where you don't know anything about it. You are going in the dark. So if you don't really believe in yourself, there's nothing else to believe because you know there's no uh, fixed things. Everything is changing. Our world is changing every day. And this, you know, our society changes. So you need to believe in yourself even when things are really bad. And I think uh, that ha actually was the, the main reason why I didn't give up in the hardest times. And, uh, and I think also that character is, attracts people. People likes to be with people that, you know, they are not arrogant, of course, But at the same time, they kind of, you know, they inspire. And I think being self-confident, uh, it kind of helps. But again, the hardest part is to combine that without not being a jerk. You know, and it's, it's really easy to, to become that person. And I think I faced that eventually a couple of times. And I need like some really strong feedbacks on that to actually, you know, balanced things because it, Uh, it's, you know, that's why you need mentors, you know, people to actually say the, the hard truths in your face and say, look, you're less, you know, chill. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that makes sense. And I mean, you don't learn those sorts of things, which are super foundational without making some mistakes along the way. And that's what entrepreneurship is all about. You know, it's about making these mistakes but learning from it and changing quickly yeah. so that you can integrate that, you know, into your business. And so, you know, it's, it's really cool. It sounds like you have this strong sense of identity, you know, of, you know, this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. So at this point, Gustavo, you know, we've learned a little bit about the purpose of your company and really what you sent out to do with that and accomplish. However, I know that with this whole personal journey that you've gone through, you're thinking of other things too and, and down the line, pro probably higher level. So I'm curious if you thought about the purpose of really yourself and, and why you're here you know, on this earth doing, doing things every day. And so have you thought about that and really you know, identified what you think your purpose is? Yeah, I think that I think about it almost every day and uh, but uh, and I think it changed a little bit but in the end like the, the the main reason I think it's still the same I I really feel that I 
need to do my part, you know, to help the world to to to, to be a little better than the world that I got, you know. So uh, for me, like to I think my main motivation it's the scene where you know I am in the I don't know if ninety years old, eight one hundred, I don't know how long I will live, but I'm always dying there, and you know I look back and I see that I did my best i tried and i didn't run you know uh doesn't mean that i will be succeed totally and that i will change the world or nothing like that but in the end i i want to you know rest with the with the um, with the feeling that i tried my best that i didn't run you know and uh i think this for me it's it's a strong purpose because uh, you know made me make the bold moves and make me do like decisions that rationally you will not usually take but you know i am not super motivated about money you know money is important but uh this is not my main reason you know i think that our generation our generation has much more interesting things to get motivated than just money i think it's of course a consequence of doing great things and you know solving big problems money will come but it's not too, uh, uh, it's not much, you know. I think we, as a in general level, like as a generation, we, we receive a lot from our, our parents and from the world and, you know, the technology that we were able to become almost native on that. And our generation was like one of the first ones that actually, the only ones that actually lived the, the, a little bit the analog and also the the digital and i think have that that's a huge opportunity for us to actually do meaningful things in the world much more connected than the world that we uh we, we took so uh we have all the pieces to to do things and to change uh things that we don't like it and we need to try if we work or not that's a lot of responsibility we don't need to have that responsibility we just need to do to try our best and i think for me, this is my main purpose now to, you know, uh, of course, more focus on education, eventually in a more like political way, or I don't know, that can change uh, according to, you know, the the things that happen in our lives. But I think the, the main reason is still like inequality is something that I, I understand, but I don't think, I think that there's a better way to organize our society than the way that we are organized now. The way that we are doing things, it's not working. And in doesn't matter if the, the other times that we try different things, they also didn't work. Doesn't mean that we cannot find a better way, a new one. And I think our generation has the possibility to do that. And I, that makes me really excited and uh, excited about the future. Yeah, I think that's really inspirational. And I think it's interesting, um, you know, now because of the internet, we have basically all these tools and essentially an infinite amount of information at our disposal if we want to, you know, if we want them, if, if we have the purpose or motivation to go down that route and, and, and sort of uh, use these gifts that we've been granted. And, and, you know, you are, I mean, you're an example of just that, like a guy who really came from a you know, place where not a, lot, not a lot of opportunity and just made some amazing, um, you know, progress. And, you know, I think that, you're you know, a great example of somebody with purpose and who found it at a young age and you were lucky in a lot of ways to do that. Yeah, and sure. I'm curious, like, you know, I, I know there's millions of people right now 
who are just graduating college that you know they have no clue what they want to do, or people who are in a job that they hate, or you know they just feel really unhappy and they just don't really because I mean, you know when you're doing something without a purpose, it just feels kind of meaningless and it's hard to like be motivated. So like I mean, to those people, like do you have any recommendations for you know ways of finding your purpose? Yeah, I think to, uh, it's definitely a try and error thing. Uh, and and you're right. I I feel lucky about you know finding something that you know actually combines a lot of things that motivates me. You know, uh, with my work, I have connection with international people, which is something that really excites me. I I am working with low income people. That also something that I always wanted. Uh, I I'm working with education, uh, and I have this startup environment, which is something that excites me. So. I kind of build the way to combine things that I like to do. Uh, and when you are an entrepreneur, you, you have, I think, more control of it, a little bit more control. But um, my recommendation, I think it's to try a lot of different things and to experiment things and, uh, and to invest in your self-learning again, you know, because you can try different things but if you are not developing your own self-learning and learning more about, you know, your personality, your traumas, you know, your your story of your family, all those things, they affect you. If, either if you believe it or not, they affect you. So uh, when you got in touch with those deeper things, I think this answer becomes clear. Uh, but definitely you need to test. The, the challenge here, and this is a specific challenge for our generation and the newest ones, is that people... Be- I see a lot of friends and a lot of people from our age that, you know, they are always testing and they never stop testing. Uh, and test becomes their normal, you know, because they, they, they struggle on deciding, on choosing one thing, uh, even if it's not 100%. I mean, for you two was not 100% a fit since the day one. I built that to become... It took me years and years and it still is like I still need to change things in my day to day to to match the, my my work with my motivation. Uh, and I do that all the time. So it's not something that comes in your table and there's a job offer and then or an idea. And then that thing's just uh, out of the blue. We'll, you know, we we'll, we'll resume all your motivations and your purpose. That thing for me doesn't exist. Uh, it's a. It's, it's something that you build and you change according and uh, and requires commitment. Of course, you don't need to have commitment if you, you know, you try to work in a place and then you didn't like it. That's fine. Try another one. Try another one and try as many times as you can. But um, eventually, if you see that there's a place or, or something that you're doing that, you know, uh, it's not 100% a fit, but, you know, maybe 50% of fit, fit, you go for it and develop the rest. And I think this lack of com- commitment, uh, it's a huge problem from, from our generation because, you know, the great things will take time to build. Uh, if you want to do the great change and, you know, develop interesting stuff or solving the world's biggest problems, we need time. And I think this perspective on time, this is something that we don't know well. We are too imaginative, and I think there's a good side on, of it because we are more active. We don't wait. We learn fast because we want to things happen in, in a minute. 
this is a really good thing from from our generation but but the the, the other side is that uh we are not committed with long-term plans and i always like to say that but doesn't matter what you choose but if you put let's say 30 years to achieve that i'm pretty sure if you want to become the president of the united states in 30 years and you start now to prepare i don't know if you do it but you you had a lot of chances because if you 30 years you can right. do whatever, whatever you want the point is that we are planning our life in two years uh, vision or maybe a month most of people are not even planning so uh how can you you know can you achieve the you know the thing that you want especially if it if you are uh if you have if you want if you're more megalomaniac and if you want to like super hard things you need to prepare and time is on our side uh especially when we are young so uh we need to use that time but if you take 20 years to commit to something, definitely uh, you have less time to develop that thing. And time is, is the key here. So it's a, it's a balance that I, of course, don't have the answer on when you need to stop trying and then commit. I don't know that, but um, definitely we need more commitment um, with things, I think. Yeah. No, I, I like that distinction a lot. And I think that you're you know, right on point is that in order for people to really identify what means something to them, what their purpose is, they have to try out different things. Mm-hmm. Try out different things and see what resonates um, to identify where that real like emotional connection is and where they start to feel that um, satisfaction and, and gratitude for you know life every single day. But we also are running into these problems in our society where everything is super quick. Mm -hmm. I mean, people's attention spans are narrowing because of the technology that we have right in our pockets. And so when when you're talking about committing for a few years, you know, that, that can be scary for some individuals. And so I think that you're right in that we need to, you know, get better at digging in, uh, per se, on some specific areas. And maybe like the way I think about it is it's still part of the journey. It's still a test. Um, at least for me, my, you know, my business that I'm working on right now, it's a test. It might be a multiple year test. And that's what I, you know, that's how I'm going to get the most value out of it is by really investing in that experiment. Because, you know, if you don't spend that time, you're never going to get anywhere. And so you need to dig in and really think of it with the higher picture and acknowledge that it's not necessarily about the destination. You know, it's not about what Mm -hmm. we're accomplishing here while, you know, if we can make some impact, that's fantastic. And that's the goal. Um, as, as a personal level, it's about the journey. You know, it's about learning along the way, exploring, learning about yourself and helping others and, and gaining that satisfaction. And so, you know, it's really cool that you, you know, laid that out for everybody and I hope that people can learn about it. Um, and so, we're, you know, we're getting into the podcast today where we're going to, you know, about to wrap things up. But Aaron and I always like to do a couple of uh, wild card questions, you know, at mm-hmm. the end. And so really appreciate you coming on, Gustavo. And, you know, we're going to do a couple of wild card questions just to spice it up. And so, you know, Aaron was telling me that you've had some pretty wild life experiences and actually have hitchhiked all mm-hmm. around through South America. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, not all around South America, but uh, I tried that in a, in a couple of times. And I think that is pretty exciting. It's something that I, you know, 
put me in contact with you know the uncertainty and you know and at the same time uh put me in contact with you know uh the uh this the minimalism of the thing you know mm -hmm. you don't know where you're going you don't know how long it will take for you to get a ride you don't know if that will be safe definitely <laughs> not you don't know where that person is going and and usually from my experience at least in brazil it takes me three hours four hours to on average to get a ride in the middle of nowhere so uh in a way makes me more connected with you know my 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 young spirit let's say you know With time, you become more, you know, concerned and you become more rational. But uh, but in the end, that reconnection with myself, you know, I don't need any, I don't need anything. Like I don't need nothing material. I don't need money. I don't to to have those experiences. That I I, yeah. I I was fortunate to to travel to to some countries and you know representing for you too in some events competitions, uh, but. If I think more, the best trip that I did was one that I was hitchhiking with $10 and I spent a week with $10 here in, in Brazil, hitchhiking, sleeping on the, on, the, on the streets. You know, that was a crazy adventure and I discovered a lot about myself. So, uh, you know, that makes me also feel that remove a little pressure from myself because even if I don't succeed, I know that I can, you know, I can start from scratch and, and, uh, I don't know in, in the, in, it's funny, but in the, um, in the end, if I just want to give up everything and become, you know, walking person and, uh, just live, you know, the wild experiences, I would be super happy as well. So that, Uh, in, in a way, makes me in a comfort zone where you know I can take more risks. If things don't go right, it's fine as well. Of course, it's a it's not that rational thinking, but in a way, kind of helps me to to make bolder moves. You know, uh, so to remember those experiences and hitchhiking is definitely one of them. I need definitely to do that again soon. It's been a while that I that I didn't do it. Yeah, that sounds like quite the adventure. And, and that's cool that you've thought about that because I similarly have had, you know, some, uh, the same kind of thought path where if all, you know, if everything goes wrong um, at the end of the day, I think I could still survive, you know, <laughs> pitch a tent, make things do. Right. And so, you know, really does uh, put things in perspective if rock bottom isn't so bad. And of course, you know, we don't want to get there, but I think that having those types of experiences could be really valuable. And so, yeah, that, that sounds cool. And honestly, one day I, I think I'd like to try it. I'll have to be careful. Um, but uh, if, if you want to come to Brazil, we can try, we can do it together. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So I think um, what you're saying, you know, basically putting things into perspective is, is key to make, clear strategic decisions and to, you know, at the end of the day, not be so overwhelmed um, and almost cripple yourself. And I'm curious, like, you know, for me, and I'm sure everybody, like there's times you're super overwhelmed and it's hard to think clearly because there's so much emotions and, you know, running in your head. Like, where do you go or, and what do you do to think clearly to sort of get in perspective? Mm, that's a good question. Um, For me, I'm struggling. I always struggled with thinking alone, you know, 
just closing my eyes or, you know, staying alone and thinking on things, this is hard for me. Usually I think best when I'm talking with one person. So sometimes it's those kind of conversations where you are just talking with yourself, but there's another person there. But, you know, the challenge of improvising, like we are doing now, you know, these kind of things makes my, 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 my brain to connect fast, faster than if I am just here with a blank paper trying to think, thinking ideas. For me, it's still not working. I really want to develop that skill. This is something that, you know, this COVID situation, staying alone in my home, it's kind of uh, a challenge on that. I'm, I put myself this challenge to develop that because in the end, like I work better when I'm talking with one other person. And uh, so usually when I need inspirations or more creativity, I connect with people that have, that are full of energy, you know, people that like to talk, but, that, but people also that can uh, uh, hear. And, uh, and I think this is usually are those people that are really curious about everything, you know, people that can talk three hours about, you know, one really specific thing. And I admire that because I cannot. I usually like to talk more about, you know, bigger, the, the, the big picture, you know, macro scenarios. And I really got connected with people that, you know, really want to talk about the specific detail of that specific scene of that specific movie. And they can talk about it for 10 hours. I, I admire that <laughs> so much, you know, because, you know, their curiosity is something that inspires me to, you know, uh, to see other perspectives. So those kind of people are my favorite usually. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, curiosity and attention to detail, you know, really diving into it. And I think that the main point you're pulling out there is that it's different. You know, it's different for everybody and, you know, kind of finding your, you know, personal spaces and the best way that you think. And so I think it's interesting that you think well on your feet when, you know, you're being, you know, questioned in a live kind of setting. Uh, I'm a person who does enjoy, you know, sitting down with pen and paper and find that really helps me expand my thought paths. And so, you know, for the listener, it's all about you know exploring yourself doing that self-discovery and really honing in on whatever works and I think that if you can develop skills in different areas and be able to uh, you, you leverage some sort of interview setting or a writing setting maybe for different kinds of thinking that's all the better and so really interesting stuff Gustavo super appreciate you coming on today and I think that just about wraps up the episode so, um, you know, this is our first study of purpose uh, when we brought on you know, somebody outside of Aaron and myself. And uh, I think it was a really special episode because of that. And I'm walking away learning a tremendous amount. And uh, so greatly appreciative. And I really want to meet up in person sometimes. We, ha we have to make it happen. Definitely. I'm totally in for it. Let's wait for this crazy times and definitely we'll catch up. Indeed. Absolutely. Yes, this was really great. Gustavo, thank you so much for coming on. Um, what a way to start this podcast. Really, really appreciate it. Great, guys. Count on me. Okay. Well, have an excellent day. And, uh, you know, thank you for everyone listening in. And we hope that you, you know, learn from our interview with Gustavo. And please reach out uh, via our contact email if you would like to continue the conversation. Thank you.